Welcome to the Proverbs 3 podcast, Don't Assume You Know It All, with Take Team Carrie and Carrie, faith-based personal development coaches. We help Christian women stop relying on themselves, tune into God, and rest in His strength so they can walk in confidence and grace. Hi guys, it's Carrie and Carrie. We wanted to talk to you a little bit about love today. Carrie, are you ready to talk about love? Yes, specifically God's love. Not just the love we have for each other, but how God loves us. Yeah, what a good topic. Um, It's very different than how the world loves, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I always like to think, you know, we, we call God Father. And I guess I really didn't understand a lot of the love perspective from God the Father until I had children myself. Um, And I think it gave me kind of a whole new perspective. You know, they always say you love your kids more than anything else. And, you know, and you really can't understand that until you have children. And as a teenager, I did lots of babysitting and I love the kids around me, but it really was accurate. Like I would do anything to protect the kids I was babysitting for, but that love became fierce when I became a mother, like the feeling I have for my children, you know, we say things like I would die for you, but reality is I would die for my children. I, you know, and I would fight to the death for them. And so I find it interesting to kind of relate that the whole, I, you know, how much I love my kids and how I feel about that to how God must feel about us. You know, and I relate that to when my kids ask for things, my wanting to give them the things. My love goes to any extent for my kids. I would provide for them. You know, I I would help them. I try to prevent them from pain. And so I try to really kind of look at how this much must look from God the Father's perspective on loving us. That's so good. One thing that I remember... um when I was little is thinking, okay, so God has all these children, how can he love all of us equally? And then I had kids, I had my first kid, and I thought I loved my husband until I had my first kid. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, whoa, this love thing is at a whole deeper level. And then I got pregnant shortly after I had my first and fear almost gripped me because I thought, oh my goodness, how in the world am I going to love a second one? I love this one like so, so much. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even imagine loving anyone or having enough room in my heart to love another one until I had my second and then I had my third. And it's like, God just gives you that capability to love more and more and more and more. And you think it's not even possible until you have kids yourself. And then I realized, oh, God can love us all the same. Mm -hmm. He can give us all the same amount of love, which is completely unconditional. No matter what we do, he has that love for us. He would do anything for us, obviously in accordance to his will. Mm -hmm. Um, But he does give us our own free will too, which sometimes gets us in trouble. Oh, yes, it does. Well, and we're kind of in the same spot in terms of uh, our children are now all adults, right? Um, And, you know, we we raise them the best we could. And we hope they're, you know, um, functioning members of society that are contributing to the positive world. Um, 
but they no longer need the same parenting, right? Like, you know, my youngest is 19 right now and he is in a position, he's in college and he works and he makes for the most part his own decisions about things. Now, there he still lives in our house with me and my husband, um, but he is an adult in our house. And so although I can offer advice that at 19, he may not want to hear, I don't parent in the same way because he now has free will, right? Like he now has the option to say, bye mom, I make enough money. I'm going to go rent my own apartment. Right. You know, and so there are conversations in which I try to help him navigate because he's not necessarily, I mean, at 19, he's very mature for being 19, but he's still 19. You know, Mm -hmm. there's still lots of things he hasn't experienced or been through. And so I hope that along the way, when we start to see pitfalls, I know we try to have those conversations and maybe try to help him avoid some of them, but it's still his choice, right? It's still his choice, whether he stays up too late before his college classes the next day and he's exhausted and falling asleep in class, right? At 19, I can say to him, you know, hey, you probably would feel better if you'd go to bed earlier. But again, at 19, he makes his own choices. So again, I feel like that's a parallel between God saying to us, you have free will and us saying to our parents, I now acknowledge you're an adult. I now acknowledge you can make these choices. Um, I hope that as my children go out into the world, if they run into things, they come back to me and say, hey, mom, how would you handle this? You know, and I kind of feel it's the same thing. I go to God and say, okay, God, I need help. Send the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct because I'm not, you know, obviously at the moment capable of making my own decisions because I got myself in this mess, you know, because again, anytime I'm making my own decisions, I may or may not it's hit or miss whether I'm inside God's will, you know, if I'm not allowing the spirit to lead me and guide me and direct me. And I know we've talked about this a couple of times and it just got brought up today too, where we can say, well, I, I'm trying, I'm working, I'm grinding, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff and God will want us to take a step back, rest and kind of surrender that situation over to him. A lot of times we are spinning our wheels and frustrated and God is sitting there going, hello, I'm here. All you got to do is ask for a little help. Right. And he's ready and waiting to help us. Right. Exactly. I feel like any time in my life where I really did look to God to lead me and guide me and direct me, it's not that I didn't run into issues or problems because we all have them. Um, that's part of our everyday life and, and things, you know, you live in a world with appliances, they're going to break down at some point in time, they're going to wear out at some point in time, you know, so these challenges happen, but remembering that God is everything I need. He provides what I need and the timing I need it. He, he may not be able to keep my dishwasher from breaking down, although he could if he wanted to, but he definitely will provide me what I need to be able to replace it, you know, because he, he already knows those things are going to happen. He already sees them coming. And so if I'm walking in his will and I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely trying to find and do what he wants me to do, his love is shown through by taking care of me and my family. You know, all situations will work out for my good. If I just trust that that's where the loving hand of God is sending me. That's right. That's right. That's Romans 828. And we do, we just, we, we have to be at that point where 
I think when I think of that, I think we're being prideful and we don't even know it. That is a word that God's been working with me on because finding the balance between saying, oh, today I felt like I did a good job with this. Did I do a good job or did God help me have grace when I walked through this situation? Because in and of myself, I know what my nature is and my nature is not always gentle. My nature is not always kind. My nature has a tendency to be pretty straightforward. And sometimes that's not appropriate. Like I might say something and it come out one way and that's not the way I meant it. Mm -hmm. But because I'm very direct about things, sometimes it sounds harsh. I didn't mean for it to be harsh. And I have to roll myself back a little bit and say, oh, sorry. Okay. That's not what I meant. What I meant was for it to sound like this and it didn't. But I may, you know, fast paced, get it done. And sometimes that also means short and it can sound on the other side, like it's very snippy. Mm-hmm. Like my kids will be like, are you okay? Well, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> because they've taken something I said, and I'm just trying to be efficient. And it wasn't efficient. It ultimately ended up being rude. And, and that's not where I went, wanted to go with it. But, but right. that's the truth, Right. That's the truth. Sometimes, sometimes it sounds rude on the other side, even though we didn't mean it that way on this side, but I have a tendency again, to cut niceties and corners sometimes. And that's something that, you know, I'm trying to work around and and trying to say, God, I got to slow down. And I have to remember that I should be showing kindness in this moment because that's not the way we treat people. And it goes back to all the things, you know, no, no matter how you're No matter how you walk through this life, no matter how you're predisposed, whether it's nurture or nature, whether it's gifts God's put in you or not, we have to be careful. We should be being kind before everything else. I love that you use the word balance, Carrie, because we have, like, I think it's really important to have a balance in what we say and slow down enough before we speak to listen to the tone in which we deliver what mm-hmm. we're trying to say. Right. Yep. We, I've been on both ends of that. Yeah. Well, and we live in a, for better or worse, a sarcastic household. Now, what I mean by that is we, we have a tendency to play with each other in sarcasm. Okay. Um, and, and that's fantastic, but, you know, teaching your 12 year old that you really can't be sarcastic with your teachers at school. Okay. Was a thing because he was very, very, very good at it. And we found it very funny because mm-hmm. again, we knew he was joking, right. but when we stepped outside of our little unit, our little bubble, oh inside our house where we knew he wasn't being disrespectful. We knew he was trying to be funny and keep up with his parents and his siblings. You know, we had to say to him, okay, um, we find it hysterical, but your teachers at school do not so much because it sounds rude. And he's like, well, I wasn't trying to be rude. And I said, I know that your dad knows that, but remember these adults, they don't know you like we do. Right. So they don't know that you're just trying to be funny and you're just trying to be cutesy with us, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I admit 
we also had to have conversations because as a child, you still have to know where that sarcasm ends, even with your parents, because we all learn that, right? We learn how far we can push yes. and we also learn when we need to stop, you know? And so those are things that we have to teach our kids. And I feel like that that's maybe part of what God is teaching, you know, is, is where those lines are. Some people are better at it. Some people see those lines more easily. Some people are more sensitive to them. Some, you know, on both sides, some people are more sensitive to sarcasm. You know, some people, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, people who you just don't joke with that way because it can come off harsh to them and, and, and good on them for having such a tender spirit that they observe when other people might be hurt by something you would say, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. that is definitely a talent to be able to step back and say, okay, that might've sounded really bad to that person over there. You might want to check yourself just a little bit because, you know, some things, sometimes we'll just get out of hand with things and that's not the way God wants us to be out in the world. Okay. And Karen. then there's that balance on the other side too, where we have to not walk in a fence. Yes. Yes. There's, there's such a balance <laughs> on both ends of that fence. Right. Right. Well, and I think part of that balance comes in when it comes to the, the offense part is okay. So yes, you can pick up an offense or you can leave it laying there. You know, that's, that's the one thing with offenses. You either take them or you don't take them. Okay. But sometimes we don't know whether that person was just being funny or if they were trying to be hurtful. Right. I was just going to say, have you ever had someone try and be hurtful and you didn't take it hurtful? You giggled at it and then they got really offended because they really wanted to be heard and you thought they were just joking around. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So what I love about God's love for us is in his love He created us in his image. So Carrie, it talks about how God loves us in John 3.16, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's um, a pretty big kind of love. Psalms 139 also talks about some other things too, that I don't know my kids that well um, to know the number of hairs that are on their head. Right. Right. That's some kind of love. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, it's, it's interesting. You and I had a bit of a conversation, you know, on the perspective of John 316, my son, he probably won't be super excited about my sharing this, but I'm going to share it anyways, because it's a perspective that I felt like God gave me in this, the whole situation, right? Um, We were talking about self-sacrifice and, you know, the sacrifice uh, to give yourself for others. Um, But we were having a specific conversation about, um, and yes, this was during the time of COVID, you know, and so we were having those conversations and, um, we got down the path of if, if you could save the world by giving yourself 
like in, mm-hmm. in the example of COVID, if you could, if they could drain your body and it would be enough to save the world, would you do it? Okay. Now I admit as a person, I said, well, let me think, but my son didn't. His response is why wouldn't I? So no pause, no pause instantaneous. Why wouldn't yeah. I? And I stopped and I thought, okay, I had to think for a second. And, and then in that moment, I'm saying to myself, okay, so my son, I, I struggled with the thought. Okay. And we weren't even in real life circumstances, right? We were just having a conversation. Right. Hypothetical. Yeah. But I struggled with the thought that my son would lay down his life for the world. Right. And and I get the thought, you know, he's like, mom, I'm one person and I could save the whole world. Yeah. I, in a heartbeat that, you know, and, and I am as a parent saying, is there not another way? What, right what you know and I and when we talked about this recently and I will do my best not to be emotional over it this time because I definitely was emotional over it then the feeling of that's what God did right and that's what Jesus said right God said I'm gonna send you and God knew what he was sending him into and Jesus knew what he was accepting and Jesus's response was, why wouldn't I, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I sacrifice myself for everyone? Why wouldn't I give my life for everyone? And I can only imagine as a parent, how I would feel if I was facing that circumstance where my child was being taken, he was going to lay down his life to save the planet. Right. But, you know, it it goes even further than that because Jesus said he would do it even if it was one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus did it for me. Jesus did it for you. Now, ultimately, he did it for the whole world, right? He did it for every soul being born. Every soul has the opportunity to accept him. But as a parent, I felt that how, how loving a thing Mm -hmm. that God said, would you, and Jesus didn't think about it. He didn't ponder it. He didn't, oh, well, maybe can I wait for a little while longer? He said, why wouldn't I? Right. And I can't wrap my head around that kind of love. Now. Ultimately, yes, you get it, right? Ultimately, you step back and say, okay, if my child could save the world, of course, as long as he's willing, we would do that. Right. But it was instantaneous for my son. And I just thought in that moment how that felt to God when his son instantaneously said, why wouldn't I? Mm Mm-hmm. And then did. Yeah. That sacrificial love. Yes. Yes. That's just beyond all I can comprehend. The love that God had to send his son and the love his son had for us to, to sacrifice himself for us. 
to go into it knowing what he knew, going into it knowing what his calling was. Yeah. But what a legacy, right? Right. Because it's everlasting. Right. The, the brief time, the blink of an eye that he was here on this earth and what he gave, which was tremendous. I'm definitely not, definitely not taking anything away from the sacrifice because it was tremendous. He came, right. he lived, he died all for the example to us and all to pay the price for us. But in that lifetime, in that very brief lifetime, look what he did for every soul that will ever exist yeah. in the world. Yeah. Just can't comprehend the love that comes from that and providing salvation to every person. And, and when you think of all the things that were accomplished, right? Because before Jesus, let's, let's think about what happened before Jesus. Before Jesus, I couldn't have just talked to God, right? Mm -hmm. Because the veil was there. You had to be a priest that went in. You had to be specially trained. They had to put a rope around your leg so they could drag you out if anything happened to you because they couldn't go in. Other people couldn't go in. Mm -hmm. They couldn't go in to save you. Like this veil was there and you didn't cross that veil unless... You were qualified to, to cross that veil, right? That veil no longer exists. When Jesus died, that veil was ripped in half and we can now talk to God, right? We can now have our conversation. We now, through that sacrifice, get to experience firsthand the love mm -hmm. of God, right? Right. Like, yeah. You know, the Holy Spirit interacts with us. We can get true leading, guiding, and directing. We can spend time communing with God, which they didn't have access to before that. I can't imagine having lived the before and after, right? To have been there to experience, okay? We're very privileged from mm -hmm. the time of our salvation we have, or from the time of our awareness, we have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to Jesus and to God and to talking and to communing and to praying and leading the leading coming in and all of that, right? From the moment. Mm -hmm. But there were people on that earth who did not have it. And then all of a sudden did. Now I know how sometime in my own spirit, I can be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and the leading and the closeness. Can you imagine having never imagined that that was even possible and really then experiencing that? I remember what that experience was during my salvation. I was probably 15, maybe when I was saved. So I very clearly remember the feeling I had. And I remember going to the altar and I remember the people praying with me I can't remember exactly who was there with me, mm -hmm. um, but I remember the feeling. I remember the comfort. I remember, I remember there were many, there were many who came when I went to the altar, which I'm grateful and thankful for because I was surrounded mm -hmm. by their love and their comfort. Because honestly, at 15, I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I, I mean, I understood that there was an altar call and I understood 
that I felt like I needed to go and that I felt like I needed to pray. But I remember how heightened that feeling was. And I know now, obviously, as an adult, that that was the Holy Spirit right, filling me. And it was such a wonderful experience for me. But can you imagine being that person that never, I mean, like people around me knew what was happening, right? People around me were leading me and they were saying, it's okay. We're going to pray. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. And you're going to pray and we're going to help you through this. And you're going to start this wonderful walk, right? Can you imagine being the first group of people to Mm -hmm. be filled by the Holy Spirit? I mean, I know how overwhelmed I was. And I had people leading, guiding, and directing me in that moment, explaining to me that I was not losing my mind, like that this was okay, that this is what happens. This is part of the experience that you're going through. Embrace it, love it, remember it, walk through it. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of think back to that and I'm like, oh my goodness, what, what would it have been like to have been amongst those first who were filled with the Holy Spirit? And learn how to then walk and share and move forward and help other people learn and experience that. It's just an amazing thing to me, that salvation process and the love, comfort and joy that came through that um, and through these other people really helping me as a team embrace what was happening. Yeah. Well, and when you were talking about your son too, it reminds me of first John um, three sixteen, where it says by this, we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Yes, absolutely. You know, what, what a, what an example, right. That your son at the age of 19 is setting. That's pretty good. But you know, Carrie, I think there are a lot of people that that is built into because Okay, because yeah, I love my son and I'd like to say he is, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. But the truth of the matter is we have military men and women who lay their, down their lives every single day for us to experience the freedom to be able to worship the God we want to worship. Right. Like, like in every day, police officers go out on the streets and I, you know, people are human, people make mistakes. So we're just not going to go down that path with, with all of that. But the truth of the matter is firefighters, police officers, these, these frontline workers during COVID doctors, nurses, nurses, aides, paramedics. Okay. They were every day making a choice to put their bodies, minds, and spirits in harm's way to protect, save other people. Right. Right. They were doing the best they could like you know, they were putting on their PPE as much as we could get to them, you know, but, but the truth of the matter is these people were sacrificing so much. I have such admiration. I heard stories of doctors and nurses who weren't going home to their families. They were going home to a hotel room to make sure that if they did get something after their shift, they didn't give it to their own kids. right? Right. So they not only sacrificed themselves, putting themselves in harm's way for other people, but they sacrificed their time with their family. They sacrificed their parenting time. Their families sacrificed, right? These other parents stepping up and saying, okay, honey, I know you need to go to work. 
I know that you are doing your best during this time to save as many people as you can. And so I will stay home and take care of the kids. I will, I will essentially be a single parent and we'll FaceTime you when you get home from work, you know, between your 12 hour, 14 hour shifts. If you can find a few minutes, call home and tell the kids you love them. I mean, that's just phenomenal. So I would like to say my son is unique, but the truth of the matter is in the past few years, we have seen these self-sacrificing people step up everywhere. And, and, and again, our military men and women, they do that every day. And these are choices guys. We haven't had a draft. Well, I'm almost 50 and we haven't had a draft my entire life. So, So our military runs after people who have that spirit, right? That spirit of saying, I put your life ahead of mine. I put your freedom ahead of my life. That to me is amazing that, that there are people who will sacrifice all to give us what God wants us to have the ability to say, this is my God. This is my savior. This is how I'm walking without those military men and women. We wouldn't have that. There are so many countries out there right now who aren't allowed to talk about Jesus Mm -hmm. that aren't allowed to speak of our God. Yeah. They have whatever they believe, but they're not allowed. Okay. Here in the United States, you know, some people want to criticize. Okay. But I'm thinking when I compare it to other places, okay, I get to choose my God, right? I get to choose that I can, you know, say, this is my God. This is my savior. Carrie, do you know how many places, not only could we not have a podcast like this, right? We're women. Yeah. Okay. We're not even go down the path. You can't talk about Jesus, but you're a woman. We, we, we couldn't talk like this. Right. We couldn't be any type of, uh, of speaker for God in many places. So as, as much as, as we're definitely not perfect, we United States of America has a lot of growth in a lot of areas that it needs to do. But I'm thankful that I can be thankful and I'm thankful that I can tell people I'm thankful and I'm thankful I can tell them why and I can tell them of the miracles God does in my life and for me and and that Jesus saves me and that he walks with me every day and that the Holy Spirit fills me and directs my path and that I can say those things and for the most part, not worry that the minute I step outside my house, I'm going to be, you know, taken into custody. Right. I can go to a store and purchase a Bible. I can purchase a Bible for a friend and give it to them. What they do with it is their business, but I can definitely purchase it. Right. And so I'm just amazed. And I, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm acknowledging that these humans make these choices for other humans they don't even know, right? Yeah. They make these sacrifices every day. Yeah, we we are very blessed to be living in the nation that we're living in right now. As as yucky as it seems, we have it pretty good. Yep. Um, I wanted to touch just a little bit on the characteristics of the love of God. Um, it talks about that in First Corinthians 13. I'm just going to read four through eight here, and this is in the easy to read version. But it says, "Love is patient. Love is kind." Love is not jealous. It does not brag. 
and it is not proud. And aren't we glad that God has given us such a good example? He goes in and says further, love is not rude. It is not selfish and it cannot be made angry easily. This is really good. Love doesn't remember wrongs done against us. And I think nowadays we do that so often. Um, so I do, I have to read first Corinthians 13 often to remind myself what love is. It says love is never happy when others do wrong, but it is always happy with the truth. It never gives up on people. It never stops trusting. It never loses hope and it never quits. Love will never end, but all those gifts will come to an end. Even the gift of prophecy the gift of speaking in different kinds of languages and the gift of knowledge. And I would challenge you guys to read first Corinthians 13. If you can't read it daily, read it weekly or try and read it every month, because I think Carrie, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need these reminders. Well, yes, absolutely. Cause when you think about what love is, I love my husband but I admit I'm not always patient. I'm not always kind. I'm not always forgiving. Like, think about this. Think about, think about how, how much, how much I fall short when it comes to loving my husband. And yet God never falls short. Right. Yeah. God is always patient. He is always kind. God is, you know, like, because that is love. And he yeah. is setting the example and setting the bar. So absolutely. Well, and it's not just my husband. I mean, like those are challenges everywhere, right? Yeah. I love my parents, but I'm not as patient with my parents as I should be. I love my children, but heaven knows I have not been as patient with my children, you know, like all of those things. So it's definitely something that, that you have to set your mind to and right. remember every second when you're dealing with this is, yeah, and this is the big one. It never stops trusting. It never loses hope. It never quits. I think those are the ones that I need to go back to all the time. Because sometimes we can do what we have in our heart to love somebody. But a lot of times that love is not reciprocated. And we lose that trust. We lose that hope. And we feel like quitting, right? Right, right. Um, especially people who are very um, empathetic, caring, and um, kind of like the caregiver people, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not that I feel like that needs to be reciprocated, but I think when it's not accepted is where I struggle. Well, I think remembering that everybody's on a different point in their journey, right? Right. Yeah. I'm definitely not where I was at years ago. <clears throat> I definitely what I I'm more ready now for adapting to what God expects of me. And I have more experience to be able to control what I need to control in order to be maybe more patient. Okay. Um, now but I'm still not where 
look, I have known people who have had such patience and such kindness and such, I mean, like, wow. And I look at them and think, oh my, I have such a far way to go. Like I am so at the infancy of my learning how to be in this world the way God wants me to be. I have so many things still to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think we all do. Um, I think part of the love, like we talked about God's love, but we have to model his love and we have the responsibility to love others as well. So another um, like biblical definition maybe of love that we need to show would be in second John one, six, where it says, this is love that we walk according to God's commandments. So he gave us instruction to follow. It says, this is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning that you should walk in it. We are told, and we are um, mandated in a sense to walk in love. And that means even when it's hard. Right, right. Well, because being humans, we're not always lovable, right? Like, like that's one of the things I say to my husband almost every year on our anniversary. Thank you for loving me when I'm not lovable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, because sometimes I am just not lovable. Right. And the acknowledgement in that, the fact that he has now walked this journey with me for more mm-hmm. than 20 years, loving me when I'm not lovable. You know, yeah. I, I, I think this year when I posted, I put something like, um, thank you for being logical when I am confused, maybe, maybe that mm-hmm. was the word or logical when I'm, you know, but the idea is, oh, when I'm, cra- I said, when I'm crazy, that's what I said. I said, thank you for being logical when I'm crazy. Yeah. Thank you for being logical when I'm crazy. You yeah. know, thank you for being steadfast when I'm, you know, emotional, the, all of those things, because, you know, I admit in this man, God gave me the exact person I needed, the exact soul I needed. Um, because, and I put this in my post too, that it takes a special kind of uh, man to walk with me through this life. Mm-hmm. I am definitely high maintenance when it comes to a lot of things. You know, I'm definitely needy when it comes to a lot of things. And it takes a special kind of soul to be able to walk here with me. Um, and God really provided someone who could see through my humanness and love me in spite of it because I'm not always that lovable yeah well and like you said I I think a lot of us aren't but like you were talking about early you know not being lovable we are called to love even the unlovable in Mark, it says, Mark 12, 30 and 31, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Here's the kicker. Here's the second. It says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So we need to know who we are in Christ 
We need to love ourselves as Christ loves us, which I think a lot of us don't. A lot of us need help in that area. Right. And then once we know who we are in Christ and we love ourselves like Christ loves us, then we are told to love the na- our neighbor as we love ourselves. Right. Yep. Yes, definitely. And, and again, that can be a challenge. I mean, because we're all humans living this human experience, gathering our baggage as we go along, learning what we can get rid of and what we can't get rid of. And, and it's one thing to press past, past the problem that you have with the people you're living with, right? Like I choose to love my husband. I choose to say I'm living this journey with my husband and he chooses to, to love me in spite of my faults. And I choose to love him in spite of his faults, but it's a whole different thing to love your neighbor, right? You can choose your neighbor. Did you vote on who moved in next door? Right. Nope. Well, okay. And I admit, like, it takes a whole lot to recognize that you might not have been the neighbor that your neighbor wanted to move in. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So, so think about this. My husband and I, between us, when we got married, we had custody of five children and then we had one together. Okay. So here we come in, moving into this cul-de-sac. Can you imagine what the neighbors must have thought? (laughs) We had newborn to age 16 living in our house. And here we come. The day we moved in, we had five children. And about a year later, well, no, 10, 11 months later, after we moved into our house, we had another one. Could you imagine what they thought? Oh, my goodness. Really? (laughs) They just brought five kids into this house. And oh my gosh, there she is. She's pregnant again. Like, but, but it takes something then to say, okay, what can I do to be a good neighbor? Okay. Cause we had to convince our neighbors that our children were going to behave, that they did not have to worry that we were bringing in a gaggle of kids who were just going to storm the neighborhood. You know, we raised our children to be respectful for that very reason. But I recognized as a mother that if someone moved into my neighborhood who had six children, would that bring something up inside me if I was that single mom living down the street with one? Right. What would I have thought of me? And then from that perspective, then how can I be a good neighbor? How can I make myself and my family lovable so that they understand that we, that we are a God-fearing family. We love, you know, Jesus, and this is how we are trying to live. Yeah. But children are children, and they make mistakes. But that's where the accountability comes in. Right. I'm the first one to say, I have children that I had to march down the street, and they had to apologize to a neighbor for something. And I had to say to them, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, you just, you know. Suck it up. Let's go down the street on the door because you're going to explain to them that this is not how you behave and you're really sorry. And whatever it is, you're going to make up for it. And you better decide between here and there what you're doing to make up for it, because this is the mistake you made. And we all have to apologize and acknowledge and move forward with it. You know, that account accountability is very important 
in children's lives, they have to understand that, you know, yes, we all make mistakes, but there's fallout from our mistakes. You know, if your mistake was falling off your bike, you know, didn't have your balance right, maybe you skinned your knee. But if you fell off your bike into a neighbor's yard, what did you do to the neighbor's yard? Because it was an accident when anything you did on purpose, but we still got a problem, right? And so I really think that it's important to make sure that that accountability, because God, God expects me to be accountable, right? Like there are consequences that happen for my decisions. And so, that's right. but that's all part of showing people that you can be a good neighbor and that they can love you and that you're yeah. trying to spread the right thing. Yeah. Well, and I think in conclusion, one thing that we can just remember and take with us today is that love never fails it is never an ineffective, like it always works. And perfect love drives out fear. We don't have to be afraid when we know that God loves us and we can love others and we can get along even when it doesn't seem like we can. We can't do that necessarily on our own accord. We can ask God to help us be loving towards people who are hard to love. Exactly. Exactly. That is excellent way to wrap that up, Carrie. Thank you so much. You are welcome. I just, I love when we get together, we have a topic and we can just kind of talk it out. Um, So I hope that you guys got uh, something out of it. And like I said, just remember love never fails and perfect love drives out fear. All right, guys. Well, I am so excited that we went through another uh, podcast and you were able to join us and very excited to catch you on the next one. Right, Carrie? Yep. I'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye. We want to thank you once again for joining us for the Proverbs 3 podcast. Don't assume you know it all. Join us live on Facebook in the Becoming Courageous group for Jesus and Coffee devotions every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information on our faith-based tag team coaching or True Grit Academy, message us directly on Facebook.